0: Please be seated. What a wonderful time of worship! We're so appreciative of our team and how much they prepare for us. And really, we, as much as we appreciate them preparing for us, we we actually um, instruct them just to worship, so that we can also worship. It's not a performance, right? It's it's them worshiping and we're also worshiping. So but we're so grateful, especially uh, we know that Daniela, uh, who was helping lead tonight with Becky, Daniela just arrived from a trip on Friday night, so we were praying that she would not be jet-lagged, and obviously the Lord was with all of us tonight. She did a marvelous job, so thank you, Daniela, for that. We sure appreciate you. Well, welcome uh, back, uh, family and King of Kings. We're so happy you're here today. You look wonderful. It's going to be a good day in the Word. We also welcome all of you watching online tonight, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, all around the world. We bless you today. We have some wonderful countries watching today, uh, 25, 30 different countries. But I did notice from the media team, thank you guys for sending me the notes, we have people watching tonight from Serbia isn't that great, Serbia? Tonight, we don't often have that, so welcome, Serbia. Also from, uh, from Zanzibar. And I have to be honest with you, if I can just be vulnerable for a minute, I didn't know where that was. So in the back, I was looking up, where is Zanzibar? And uh, forgive me for my ignorance, but it is on the east coast of Africa. It's an island set on the east coast of Africa. So welcome, Zanzibar, the King of Kings. Welcome to Jerusalem. We're happy to have you tonight. It's going to be a good night in the Word of God. Let's just ask the Lord for His help tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we need your help today. Help us. Help us tonight, Lord. We want to receive everything that you want to give us tonight, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah the progress and these revelations. Father, that we want, we want to know, Lord. We want to know what to do with it. Help me to open my mouth and only speak your word tonight, God. But open our hearts that we might receive it tonight in Yeshua's holy name. Amen, amen. We've been in the middle of a great series called Gaining Strength. Now, during the worship, uh, we had one of our leaders receive what we believe is a prophetic encouragement tonight. And I was just meditating from the Lord about that word and when to release that word. And it it felt mostly like it was uh, the right time is at the end of this sermon because you're going to see when we get to the end, when we've accomplished our goals from the word tonight, you're going to see how it fits in. And I do want to just uh, give a blessing to Uh, Many, I was able to be in uh, King of Kings Herzliya congregation yesterday. And what was beautiful is today, Wilbur did a great job of reading the parashah. But yesterday in Herzliya, his wife, Chiki, did the parashah. So it's a big weekend for you guys. Thank you for serving so many ways. And uh, we're blessed. And this morning, I got to be with some pastors from the south. Um, And then I also want to just recognize uh, um, Benjamin. And uh, Leticia are here today from Kedur King of Kings Congregation in Batyam. Thank you for being here today. We bless you. It's an honor to have you. And the reason I'm mentioning all of those pieces of the puzzle is because I want you to remember that you're part of a family. It's, it's not only us, although this is a wonderful family and it, it's a privilege to, to get to worship and grow together in the Lord, but we're part of a larger family. And that larger family gets to share things I, you know, I see my friend Stefan is here today, and he was leading worship yesterday uh, as well. So bless you, friend. And Wilbur led yesterday, and we got to have Daniela here today from King of Kings and Herzliya. We got to have Becky here from Melech And three weeks ago, it was our worship team from Jerusalem helping another congregation. And uh, some weeks before that, it was the congregation of Shem and Sasson helping. That's what we do. We do it together as a family because we are better together, amen? And if you don't like that thought process, I will challenge anyone to show me in the Bible, other than your private devotions with the Lord, show me a time where you're supposed to do it alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Yeshua sent him off two by two. It's not a hard concept, even the animals got it, right? I just got that revelation right when I was saying it. It was like, from heaven, the animals, hallelujah. We've been in a series called Gaining Strength, and last week, Pastor Wayne did a wonderful job of giving us what he called, from stress to strength, and six reminders, take your rest, proper nutrition, quiet times with the Lord. Expressing our emotions to God, reflecting on our true calling and connecting in community. We're doing that tonight. Lots of ways to do that throughout the week. And before that, we did a review from Daniel. And we talked about the losing and still winning in 10 steps. It felt like Daniel kept losing, but then he kept winning. And tonight, we want to look at the story and the life of Joseph I told you that there were a lot of parallels in this series between the different people in the Bible, especially between Daniel and Elijah and Joseph. And I'm going to mention some of the parallels tonight, but we're going to talk about how to bless from the bottom. Gaining strength, how to bless from the bottom. Now, before we get into the the meat tonight, you know, when by the time we get to the end of our discussion tonight, we're going to give you. Three application points, and we're going to give you one key phrase to close it out. But before we can get to that, we need to build the foundation. And the best way to do that tonight is to go through quickly the story of the life of Joseph so you can see what he went through, just like we went through Elijah's life, just like we went through Daniel's life. So if you want to get ahead of me in the text, a lot of time is going to be spent in the book of Genesis tonight, Genesis 33. Now, we know that Joseph is one of the best foreshadowing figures of Yeshua, and there are other foreshadowing figures, like Isaac is another good one, but we know that Joseph has a lot in common with these other figures that we've been uh, speaking about, so let's start here. Joseph was the favored son of Rachel and Jacob, the favored son, and you say, that's nice, it's good, sounds good. But I don't know that being the favored son ended up being a good thing. We can remember that Rachel was the favored wife of Jacob. I'm seeing a pattern in Jacob. He has a favorite wife. Dangerous. Danger zone. That's a highway through the danger zone. Then he's got a favorite son, another danger zone. He's got lots of sons, and he's chosen a favorite one. And this favor, it shows up very early, including when Jacob went to meet his brother Esau. Now remember, Jacob and Esau had been estranged because early on you had Jacob deceptively pretending to be his brother, getting the birthright, running off. And he had friction with Esau. So later, he has to come back to his brother Esau. This is Jacob, the father of Joseph. And he has to reconcile. But in the chapter of reconciliation, look what happens. He's afraid of him. Genesis 33:1 and 2. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau, his brother, coming with his 400 men. And so Jacob divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants, He put the female servants and their children up front. Then he put Leah and her children next, and he put Rachel and Joseph in the rear. So by the sheer physical order, Jacob was showing how much he valued the different people in his family. So just in case you were thinking, and you were one of the other four wives, and you were like, no, I I think he... I think he loves me the same. I think we're all equal here. He's like, oh my goodness, there's my brother Esau, we're in trouble, he's got 400 men. Um, Bilhah, Zilpah, I'm gonna need you in the front, go. (laughs) No, yeah, take the kids, take your kids, not those kids, take your kids and get in the front. I need a buffer zone. And Leah's going, whew, well it's good to know where I stand. I'm with the favored ones. No, Leah, you're next. You're going to be layer number two. I need cushion. Take your boys. Get them up there. Go. You know, Rachel, Joseph, Benjamin, y'all stay back here with me. I think it was pretty clear in the family who was who. You know, in the animal kingdom, there's a lot of figuring out the pecking order, right? There's always an alpha in the pecking order. But this was pretty easy to understand. His favor had been shown at least three different times by now. And this favorite status for his son Joseph, on the one hand, who doesn't like to be favored? But on the other hand, it turned out to be harmful. I remember, anybody, anybody in here, if you can be honest with me, anybody ever been the favored one? No? No? A lot of losers in the house tonight? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Anybody ever been annoyed that someone else was the favorite one? A lot more hands. Right. A lot more hands. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. When, when I was in school, I was my senior year of high school, I had this teacher, and I knew from day one this was going to be trouble. I was usually one of the favored ones in class. I studied hard, I paid attention, I was respectful, I smiled a lot. And I was smart enough to know that public relations with your teacher was important. I'd give a lot of encouraging comments to my teachers. Now, I had a strategy back here. I've got a strategy. That is an excellent point, ma'am. You're an amazing teacher. Thank you for helping me understand that. I was stuck, but then you, you broke through for me. Thank you. A lot of my lunch got left on their desk on purpose. And so this one, I knew I was going in and I knew we were in trouble. Day one, she was a no-nonsense. She didn't want to hear it. And I I came into class and I decided, oh, we're going to have to work on this one. But I'm in it for the long haul. I'm going to win. I'm going to win this. So I came in, I remember the first time I decided I'm going to go up to the front and introduce myself to the new teacher. Apparently, my reputation was already there. And as soon as I started walking up to the front, I was like, ma'am, I just want to say, she was like, Mr. Holland, sit down. (laughs) After class, I'd hang around and I would just say, I just want to appreciate you. Mr. Holland, you don't need to say that to me. Oh, tough exterior. Challenge extended. Challenge accepted. It took me about a month, but I broke her. I came in one day. She's finally starting to be sweet, finally starting to be nice, and I came in. And of course, I've got goodies. You know, whatever the candy is, I'm going to drop on her desk. And I'm coming in, and she's like, Yes, Mr. Holland, I'm the greatest teacher you've ever had. I know, you don't have to say it today. And then something happened. I became the favored one. I weaseled my way right in there. I became the favored one. And then it was, the rest of the class knows it, right? And I'm like, look, don't be jealous. I put in the work. You didn't put in the work. I put in the work. You could have been the favored one. Joseph is the favored one. And it started to affect everybody else in his family. It became harmful at a certain point. The seed of jealousy was starting to grow stronger in the family over time. Look at Genesis 37 verse 2. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of only 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had borne to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated Joseph and they could not speak a kind word to him. The favor had backfired. Now Jacob had caused the original problem by favoring Rachel over the other wives. He had caused the original problem by favoring Joseph over the other sons. He had caused the original problem by separating the family and putting buffers out there up at the front of the lines of the potential battle and keeping his favorite behind and protected. He had caused a lot of this. But then Joseph doesn't help because Joseph also participates in the growing cause of jealousy by bringing a bad report back to Jacob about his brothers. So we already have an environment of a problem and Joseph plays right into it and he brings this bad report and here it is, that jealousy gets even worse. Then, he goes on to explain in Genesis 37 verse 8, oh by the way, I've had this dream. And, you know, just remember guys that he loves my mom more than he loves y'all's. He loves me more than he loves y'all. If English is not your first language, y'all <laughs> means you all. Just checking. I was for the translators. I didn't know what the translators were up there talking about. Translators, you're welcome. He loves me more than you. Look at the robe I've got, right? I, I'm gonna bring a bad report because I know daddy loves me more. And by the way, I have this dream. I, I've got a gift clearly you don't have. So I, I've got this gift of dreams and dream interpretation. And then in my dream, I'm gonna rule over you. you. You can see the environment that we're creating, right? Genesis 37, eight. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more. Now, all the more means they already hated him, right? They're comparing the hatred level. It was like, you, we really hated you, and now it's like over-the-top hate because of this dream and what he had said. It would seem that Jacob and Joseph's favor had turned sour. Now, Joseph, since he's our prominent figure tonight, Joseph would not stay in this place of favor for very long as his brother's jealousy continued to grow and that jealousy grew into action. If we look in Genesis 37, verse 23, it says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Now, what's happening is Joseph is now getting picked on. He's getting bullied Now, remember how young he was. He was 17. At the the beginning of the story here, he's 17. But his older brothers are much older than him, probably much bigger, much stronger. He's getting picked on. So the jealousy is turning into action, and then one of the older brothers, Judah, lest you think Judah was always righteous, Judah comes up with a brilliant, beyond brilliant idea. Genesis 37, 26, here's the brilliant idea. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now, we could probably understand the jealousy of the brothers. That, that makes sense. You know, they're making fun of him because he was the parent's favorite. I get it. I get it. There's this, there's this new little funny game you can play. What you want to do is you want to get your kids lined up. Get a camera out. Get the iPhone out. You're going to like this. It's a lot of fun. Get, a, get an iPhone out. Line your kids up. Tell them to close their eyes. Put a parent behind them and ask questions. Whose room is the cleanest? Make them all point to the child. Whose room is the messiest? Who's better at homework? Who's the favorite child? And watch who they point to. That's hilarious to watch. And of course, the parent panics when you ask that question. The parent's like, oh, all of them, all of them, all of them. And the kids are all pointing like, that one, I'm not the favorite. Mom loves him, dad loves her, you know. But you can understand why they might have been upset about this, he's been favored for so long and it gets annoying. We could probably even understand them playing a joke on him by putting him back into his place, like putting him down into the cistern. Now, like, when you read that, when you read, like, they took him and they put him in the cistern, maybe you read into that, oh, they just, they hate him, just throw him in the cistern. Maybe. But if you've ever had a little brother like I had, I read it differently. I read it like a joke. Like, ha ah, get in the cistern, ha ah. ha. And you're thinking, Pastor Chad, that sounds pretty evil. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I, look, we're all dealing with sin, right? And we did some things to my little brother. And looking back on it, they were hilarious. <laughs> One time, I just got to tell this if I can. If you can give me just a moment. We went to my grandparents' house. And for some reason, our parents, my grandparents lived out in the country. And for some reason, they have this mailbox. It's, if you don't know what a mailbox is, it's the box where they, the mail person drives around and they put the mail in the box. And it's not on your house. It's out at the street. It's convenient. They come to your house and they bring it. You don't have to go to the, to the door. You don't go to the post office. It comes to you. And, but, but their mailbox was like the biggest mailbox I'd ever seen. It was like this tall and, and long. And my little brother was being annoying. <laughs> ah, he tried to jump ahead. You thought I was going to say we tried to put him in it. You were right. We tried to put him in it, and, and he fit. And then we shut it, and we ran off. And the poor little guy is stuck in there. And we just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And anyway, we went back, you know, we let Joseph out of the mailbox, you know. His name's not Joseph. But I can see, like when I read the story, that's how I felt about the brothers. I was like, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, I, I put him in the mailbox. You could put him in a cistern. I, I get that. We put him in other stuff too. I mean, it was, um, he was bragging one time that he could fit in the freezer. So we test we test drove that, and uh, he fit. But it was the lay down kind. It was the lay down freezer, you know. And then he he swore up and down that he could he could fit in the dryer, <laughs> and you could do a rotation of the dryer. <clears throat> You're wondering, did you put him in the dryer? Yeah. And we did a rotation, and he went, whoop, So I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it here. I get the story. I get what's going on. Little prank on your siblings. They're favored. They're being annoying. Put him in the cistern. I get it. But then things get out of hand, and then he's literally sold as a slave to cover up their actions. The brothers go back to tell their father Jacob that he's dead. So it's not a prank anymore. He's not just being annoying. Now it's turned into evil, and they want to get rid of him. The jealousy that started as favor has now backfired. It's turned sour. Joseph didn't choose the pit. He also did not choose to be sold into slavery to the Midianites and the Ishmaelites. He also did not choose to be sold from them into Potiphar's house. Genesis 37, 36, meanwhile, the Midianites uh, sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And yet somehow through all of this, we jump to Genesis 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. He didn't choose a lot of this, and yet the Lord kept blessing him. He kept prospering him. He kept giving him success. He kept giving him favor. You know, he also didn't choose Potiphar's wife to make sexual advances on him. He didn't choose that. The Bible gives no indication that he flirted or he made innuendos. There's no indication She wanted him and she made it known. Genesis 39, 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Joseph would not give in. He's a man of character now. Maybe he might have been an annoying little kid before. But he's been through enough now. The cistern sold into slavery, sold into Potiphar's house. Now he's being pushed into this sin. Genesis 39.10, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He chose wisdom. The wife was embarrassed she was rebuffed. She lies about Joseph, saying he tried to force her and rape her. You got to read the story. She lies about him, and he didn't do it. And then Potiphar loses the favor and throws Joseph into prison. Doesn't that sound like Daniel? Like every time a new king, he gets favor, and then the next guy doesn't like him, and he gets out. But give him long enough, and the favor will come back, and it will rise back up by the Lord's anointing. Now, many times, if we saw this pattern in someone's life, if we saw, man, you keep getting in the cistern and then slavery and then slavery and then accusation, you'd be like, something's wrong with that guy. Like, he's got to be doing something. The friends of Job were saying that about Job. You've got to be doing something. And that's probably what we would say as pastors and counselors. We'd be like, look, let's just break this down, Joseph. How many bad scenarios can you get yourself into? Some of this has to be your fault. Let's just take ownership of it. But in this case, we don't read anything in the text that says, other than the early immaturities of childhood, we don't read anything into that he did anything to cause this. But just as he had favor with his father, Jacob, and his mother, Rachel, and just as he had favor with Potiphar, now he's thrown into prison after this false accusation, and he gets great favor with the warden of the prison. You can't keep favor away from this guy. He seems to be very likable. He's handsome, he's well built. He went to the gym. It says it right there. Holmes Place. You know what it says? Holmes Place? The audience online is like we have no idea what you're talking about. Home's place, it's an Israeli gym chain filling in the gap. Genesis 39:20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And he was made responsible for all those And everything that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything that he did. It's another instance, like Daniel, where he has such great favor, they just give everything to him. The father loved him, the mother loved him, Potiphar loved him, the warden loves him. So we're continuing through the story as we approach our three application points. We know that later Joseph, stuck in prison for two years, at least two years, according to the scriptures, he uses his gifts of dreams and interpretations, much like Daniel did, to explain to Pharaoh what was happening through Pharaoh's dreams. And then all of a sudden, God granted Joseph the supernatural favor to become second in charge of all of Egypt, just like Daniel. He gets favor with Jacob, favor with Rachel, favor with Potiphar, a little too much favor with Potiphar's wife, favor with the warden. Now he gets favor with Pharaoh. You can't keep it off of him. The Lord is with him because Joseph is making wise choices. After his early immaturity, I'm sure we all relate, he started to be a man of character, and God was with him in everything. He was always blessed, always successful, always had favor. And in the meantime, his brothers hated him. Potiphar's wife lied about him. So how did he gain strength When he was betrayed by the brothers, by Potiphar, by Potiphar's wife. And he's in prison and he's not done anything. How does he gain strength, which is the title of this series, Gaining Strength? Well, let me give you the three application points. First, Joseph tried to be an encouragement to everyone else around him. Do you remember when the Pharaoh's baker and the cupbearer were in prison with Joseph I want to read you a verse or two about how Joseph responds to them. Remember, he's been falsely accused. He's been sold into slavery, and he hasn't, doesn't deserve that. And he's in prison with other prisoners. But listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 40, verse 6 and 7. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. They were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in the master's house, why do you look so sad today? Can you imagine being accused, being in prison, and your heart is to be an encouragement to someone else? That's a great application point. Even in his own trial and misery, Joseph saw that they were in need, and he engages with them to see how he can help them. You feel like you're in a bad spot. You don't like where you're at in life right now. You feel like people are against you. You're at a low point. And you're saying, how should I conduct myself? Joseph is telling you how. No matter where you are, what prison or pit you find yourself in, look around and try to encourage someone else. Second, Joseph uses his giftings to help other people, even though he's still in the bad place. Genesis 40, verse 8. We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Joseph had giftings and he didn't, he didn't keep them to himself. He understood that God had given him dream interpretation, and he is willing to engage in the dream interpretation to help others. So it's not just that he's encouraging them, he's using his gift to bless them. He gets them out of prison even though he can't get out. That's loving someone more than yourself. Joseph got that long before Yeshua ever had to say it. You're in a bad situation. It's hard, you're feeling miserable. One of the most godly things you can do is encourage someone else around you and use your gifting to love them more than yourself. That's how you gain strength in the Lord. That's how the Lord pours favor on you no matter which situation you find yourself in. And third, third application. Joseph exercised humility and honesty when the pharaoh has his famous dream and no one can interpret it, the cupbearer remembers that Joseph had the dream years ago and he had the gift of interpretation similar to Daniel. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph and asks him to interpret his dream for him, and look what the response is in Genesis 41:16. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph had a moment where he could have pumped himself up. You understand where he's at? He's been lied about, thrown in the sister, and his brothers hate him. He's been accused of something he didn't do. Potiphar turns on him. He goes to prison. He's been in prison two years. He helps this other guy who forgets about him, leaves him in prison. He's betrayed by that guy. Pharaoh now calls him, and he's before the throne, and it's his moment to put himself on a pedestal. And he says, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I cannot do this, but God can. Humility and honesty. Now you can see the man of character Joseph has become over time. Joseph had plenty of reasons to give up, plenty of reasons to get bitter. Plenty of reasons to shut down and stop trying to help other people. After all, he'd been betrayed by his brothers, Potiphar's wife, Potiphar himself, and now the cupbearer. But he did not allow his current situation to define his destiny. Here's the key phrase of tonight. You can put it on the board. By being a blessing to others around you, no matter where you find yourself, you will not be defined by your situation. That means no matter what you feel right now and where you are and how hard it is, if you can do those three things Joseph did, you will not be defined by that situation, but you will start to receive the increased favor of God on your life. So what did he do? He looked around for others that he could encourage. No one's encouraging him, but he looked toward others. He didn't keep his giftings to himself, he looked to serve others more than himself, even if it meant their success getting out of prison over his success. And third, when faced with the moments where he could have lashed out and promoted himself, he chose humility and honesty. There's so much more we can say about his character And remember, he rises to be second in command of all of Egypt, the most powerful empire on the earth at that time. He has power, he has authority, he has everything at his fingertips, every resource, every soldier, every bit of money is now in his hand. The Pharaoh does not worry himself anymore because he has Joseph. Sounds like Potiphar, sounds like the prison warden. And in that moment, Joseph never takes advantage of anyone. He never cheats, he never promotes himself. He even refrains from taking revenge on his brothers. Now he feels them out to see where they're at, but he doesn't take revenge on them. He doesn't walk in bitterness and unforgiveness for everything that's been done to him. And this is where the prophetic word comes back from earlier. If you find yourself in a bad situation, what do you do? Well, if you've done something that caused the bad situation, then repent and make a change. I'm going to hand that baton of repentance off to Pastor Vako, who's going to be preaching about that next week. The second scenario. If you find yourself in a bad situation that you haven't done anything particularly to cause this problem... Do what Joseph did. Be a blessing. Use your giftings. Love others more than yourself. Be humble and be honest. And you can be a blessing from the bottom. Avoid taking advantage of people. Avoid cheating. Avoid promoting yourself. Avoid revenge. Avoid bitterness. Avoid unforgiveness. Lots of good application here tonight. But the prophetic word was this. That someone has felt stuck. You're not progressing in the Lord. You do feel hopeless. You feel stuck. It's almost like you're in the cistern. You're in the pit. You're in the prison. You don't know how to get out. That was the word someone on our leadership team gave tonight before I preached this. That's how, that's why I felt so good about it. And what we're saying to you tonight is this. Consider these three application points tonight. Consider being a blessing, loving others more than yourself. Use your giftings for them and be humble, be honest. And don't don't let that bitterness rise if someone else succeeds.
1: Because if you
0: can walk in these application points, what's gonna happen is God is just gonna start pouring a flood of blessing on you. It's not gonna matter who put you there, how you got there. God's gonna pull you out. He's gonna elevate you higher and higher and higher. Just remember Joseph's pattern of being the favorite son, then being favored in Potiphar's house, being the favorite of all the prisoners, being the favored one in all of Egypt. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have not only confirmed your own word through the scriptures and patterns, but you confirmed it tonight through the prophetic word. In these last few moments that we're together tonight, as we have a moment to meditate and worship, we want to give you access, Holy Spirit, access to our heart, our mind. We give you access to our situation. Guide us. Let us apply these principles that we might receive your favor tonight in a supernatural way, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. We don't just want to have a nice, fun service. We want you to be here doing business with us. Move in power tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to call our prayer team to come on forward. Those of you that have been encouraged to help us in prayer, come on forward. They're going to be up here as we worship and as we close in just a few minutes. But could you stand up with me? Just stretch your legs. Keep these thoughts in your mind. Let's meditate on the word during worship.